Welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast with Dr. Susan Spicer and Damien Marksmith, where we interview all kinds of therapists to see what makes them tick as they share their breakthroughs, their most interesting cases and their biggest challenges and what's working in the world of mental health today. Hello and welcome to the Therapist to Millions podcast, where we get into and under the skin of therapists and coaches, find out what makes them tick, and also find out some interesting cases that they might have come across in their time. Uh, today, we welcome from the United Kingdom, uh, which is timely, uh, Sally Heddy, who has uh, previously worked as a solicitor, funnily enough. Sally started her own practice in 2015 as a cognitive hypnotherapist and a coach, seeing clients in person in Manchester and online. And she now liberates professionals, business owners and creatives who feel stuck or unhappy at work. And she helps her clients let go of anxiety and imposter syndrome. Oh, believe you me, all the entrepreneurs I've ever worked with, <laughs> they all have that. Uh, so they can confidently create a working life they love. And she also delivers well-being and mindset workshops to the NHS and SMEs to equip their people with more confidence and work satisfaction. So Sally, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. To be here. Pleasure. So tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, how did you make the transition from being a solicitor? Mm. In yes. So quite early on in my legal career, by the end of my training contract, which is the initial two year period that you undertake, the penny dropped that <laughs> law wasn't for me in the long term. Um, and prior to my starting my legal career, I'd had quite a bad bout of anxiety, um, which I, which was a lot better by that point. But I think after that episode and also working in an environment like a city law firm, I witnessed a lot of mental health issues. Um, I saw a lot of people who were burnt out and anxious, who were victims of their own conscientiousness. Um, and so I always had this fascination with what keeps people well, what keeps people resilient. And so I started exploring different therapeutic modalities that I'd like to retrain in. And then fast forward a couple of years, I transitioned to a more interesting line of work in the legal career, and I was able to retrain part-time as a cognitive hypnotherapist. So I trained on the weekends, and I kept going on with my legal job. And then I was very fortunate um, that they allowed me to transition to a job share in my, as a solicitor. So I was able to do part-time therapy in coaching, part-time lawyering, um, and then I eventually transitioned to full time being a therapist once I had my little boy. Wow, twenty sixteen. So, so yeah. I bet some of your first clients were actually in the law in the law firm, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <The> practicing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm sure, like a lot of people, when they start out, it was a lot of um, colleagues and friends just practicing on as many people as I could. So, yeah, and I think there was. Um, I think still in that world, that legal world, mental health issues, I think things have improved, but I think a lot of people were very interested and it almost gave them permission to open up about what they were struggling with because 
I was very open that I wanted to explore this line of work. So, yeah. That's wonderful. And, and so what's, using hypotheticals, what what is um, being your biggest success story as a therapist? I will, I will use a different name, but um, one of my biggest success stories would be, let's call her Laura. And when she came to me, she was, she was working in a, in a high level role in a corporate organization. And she was extremely burnt out. She was very, very anxious. And she was finding it very hard to stay calm. Um, she was feeling really confused about her life's direction. And she was often in a in a state of overwhelm. She just couldn't make, she felt like she couldn't trust her own decision making, that she was just surrounded by a lot of noise and she knew she didn't want to stay where she was. But it she just found it so hard to listen to herself and to connect with what she really wanted. There was a lot of conflicting feelings um, because she was just overwhelmed with the voices of well-meaning friends, colleagues, senior people who were giving her advice, but she was unable to connect with what she wanted. And so during our time together, we did the deeper work of looking at what was driving her her patterns of anxiety, of ruminating, of feelings of panic. She was having the occasional panic attack getting her to a much calmer baseline day to day. Um, and so she was getting, she was having more peace of mind. Her, her mind had quietened down. And then once she was in a better place, we were, I, I draw on positive psychology quite a lot in the work that I do. So it was about helping her also to just reconnect with the kinds of things that made her felt more like feel more like her like she loved exercise she loved sketching and being creative those were her strengths and those were the things that energized her and at that point she wasn't making time for any of that so once we got her to a baseline of functioning much more you know calmly thinking clearly um it was about how she could make her feel more like herself again and from that point she um she changed roles to another company where she had a far better work-life balance, where the culture was much more aligned to what she, what she wanted. We also looked at what was most important to her because there was definitely a misalignment in terms of the culture of where she was working mm. and the things that were most important to her. Um, and it was it was funny. She also had an interest in coaching and went on to do a coaching course. She's not a coach now, but it was just something... You know, she it just sparked her curiosity, and it it was really nice to witness because it was just her exploring things and trying things out, and not having an attachment of I have to know how this is going to pan out. I need to know that I won't fail at this, or I need to know that I'll be successful. There was a much lighter, um, fun-loving side to her that emerged, and just she was just so much more like herself. So that for me was has been one of my biggest success stories to see that transition happen. that sounds fantastic now what's been your biggest challenge or dare I say it failure but crucially <laughs> what did you learn from it okay there was a client that I had this was a few years ago and um 
thanks to my excellent training, I, this doesn't normally happen. So I was very frustrated that it had happened. But basically with this client, um, she she was overwhelmed with self-loathing, basically. And all throughout my training, the message is always, you know, don't get sucked into the story. The story is just the story. It's never about the story. It's about what's driving the story, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there was just something about her that meant I kept getting sucked into the story. Um, she, she was incredibly intelligent, very, very self-aware. Um, and with most clients that I've worked with who have problems with self-esteem and self-belief, 99% of them have, have a dominating part of them that struggles with, with self-worth and am I worthy, am I good enough? But most people have even the teeniest, tiniest seed of, oh, no, but maybe maybe I am worth something. Mm. Um, but she, she was just so vested in keeping her pattern. And she was very clear on the benefits of, you know, my self-loathing means that um, I behave properly and I'm not going to embarrass myself. And if I, if I kind of loosen my grip on that, that will mean that I will embarrass myself, that I'll let others down. Um, she had made this equivalence about what her problem would mean. Um, and there was just too much to risk and letting it go. Um, and so on reflection, I probably should have just brought brought our therapeutic relationship to a close earlier. Um, but I found myself getting caught up with that part of her, almost having an argument, trying to rationalise that part of her that wanted to keep her problem. Whereas I know that the far more constructive thing to do would was just immediately go to a level deeper um, rather than try to use rational arguments with this part that wanted to cling on to self-loathing because these patterns are often not rational and logical um, and the, the whole um, this, the perspective that I always bring to my work is you know these are unconscious drivers and stories so um, yeah I got sucked into her story. And do you think um, that's helped you going forward with cases since then? Yes absolutely it was it was um it was a really good reminder of the importance of not getting sucked into the story and to to honor what they're saying um but to just move things in a different direction um because that's what she what she wanted me to kind of lock horns with her um and it was my job to actually take a step back and take us in a different direction so yeah it was a really good really good learning for me nice and if different from either of the above what's been your most fascinating interesting or unusual case and why i think one of one of the most interesting clients i ever had i ever had was a guy who who came to me he was lacking in confidence and um he didn't make eye contact this was in person and he didn't make eye contact with me through any of the first three sessions um, and this was in the early days too so I suppose I was sort of 
I was questioning, you know, do we have the rapport here? Is he engaged in what we're doing? Um, and it just shows, you know, you, you must never mind read um, because then very, very rapidly, he just walked in. Um, there, there tends to be a point in sessions where something clicks or, or the cumulative change that we've worked on, everything seems to come together all at once. Mm -hmm. And it was about session, maybe four or five, where he walked into the room and, and was just engaging with me in a completely different way. It was just so striking because it's quite a difficult thing to have a one-on-one -on -one session in person when the person is not making zero eye contact with you whatsoever. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a sort of side-along glance occasionally. And then there was this really quick turnaround, um, yeah, which was lovely to see. And, yeah, that might not sound so strange or unusual, but it made a, made a big impression on me. And all, that was also a learning around um, keep, keeping the confidence and belief in your client that however things may seem outwardly, um, I was doubting whether he was engaged or, or present, and it was hard to read. It was difficult to read him engage where he was, um, that actually he was really vested in the process. I mean, I mean, yeah. Would you like to grow your practice but don't know where to start? We're now giving away Therapist to Millions for free. Correct. You can learn how to write a best-selling book, how to get yourself a TEDx talk, how to use PLR products, how to set up a podcast, and lots and lots more, and it's all completely free. Head over to therapistamillions.com and sign up now. Now, your practice has been going since 2015, so what has been your most successful marketing technique to grow your practice? I think in terms of attracting clients that I feel are really, that we've been the best fit, um, the best marketing strategies has been networking and word of mouth and referral. So I have a practice in Manchester and yes, I do see clients online, but I have found when that connection has come through someone that I know or someone has met me face to face, that that has, that has attracted um, clients that have been a better fit. Um, and then otherwise, I've, I've concentrated on high quality content marketing. So blogging, um, quite, I like writing and doing in-depth blogs, and that has been good for search engine optimization. I mean, search engine optimization on my website um, has really helped in terms of people searching locally for a therapist or coach. But I don't know necessarily when people find me simply off the back of a Google search, it's been more hit and miss in terms of whether those clients have been the best fit for me. Um, but my advice to anyone, perhaps if you're in the beginning of your practice or you're reaching a plateau in, in growing your practice, is just to pick one or two things and don't get sucked into the vortex of social media because you don't own your content on social media. This That's is a very good point. Yeah. So Sally, if you could write a book, what mm. would the title be and why? 
it would be called Liberate Freedom from Imposter Syndrome, because that is the title of my forthcoming course, which I will be delivering in, in October. So I suppose that, that's the easy answer that I would take that course that I'm delivering. It's full of practical tools and techniques on how to dial down the volume on the inner critic and that part of you that is screaming, I'm a fraud, who am I to be here? And to grow that part of you that believes in yourself, believes, yes, I can do this, I can be brave. And even in the face of failure, actually, I'm okay and I can keep moving forward. Um, or the, the alternative, I was reflecting on this, would be something like a title that's, you know, it starts with you, something that I always come back with in my work, something that I always come back to in my work is this realisation that, you know, it always starts with your relationship with yourself, um, whether it's fear of flying or imposter syndrome or anxiety. So it starts with you, a practical guide to self-love and self-acceptance, something like that. I love that. And you know, <laughs> in the beginning, I've got a lot of entrepreneurs who would love that course. <laughs> so you have to let us know when that's available. <laughs> yes, well, it's starting, um, doors close on the 3rd of October. So, yes. Excellent. So on the subject of books, what's been the best therapy book you've ever read? And why? On a practical level, my favourite therapy book um, is The Question is the Answer by Trevor Sylvester. Trevor Sylvester did train me. Um, and I, I think he is one of the most talented people I've ever come across who can translate complicated concepts and distill them in a form that is really easy to understand and digest. And the wonderful thing about the question is the answer is that there's just so many elegant tools and questions that, that you can use with clients to, to basically cut through resistance. To, to cut through resistance in a, in a way where you are still honoring your client and you're not like, like what happened with me and the client where we, we started knocking heads to, to go a step deeper, to to dig deeper into underneath the initial I don't knows or, um, you know, those answers that you're perhaps not convinced by or if you suspect the client is avoiding the issue. Um, it's full of lovely prompts to just elegantly draw out more in a way that feels safe and honouring. I love that. That's great. That's, that's being added to our library of books, which we're building up nicely. Wonderful. <laughs> what's your and your, what's your what's your best non therapy book and why? Is this is this fiction or is it personal development? Be, absolutely or anything can be asked. anything. So this is really hard because I did my English degree. So I did my degree in English literature. Um, so I'm a big consumer of fiction. I think one of my favourite books I've ever read is actually Roddy Doyle, The Snapper, so Irish novelist. Okay. Um, so I love accents and I'm really fascinated by dialects. And his, um, his books are all written in this kind of Irish vernacular and lots of like, it's really witty, really funny, really easy re read. I actually read it. I was probably far too young when I read it. And a lot, <laughs> a lot of it went over my head um, because it's about, 
you know, a young girl that gets accidentally pregnant and she's telling her family in this like very, it's full of coarse language. If you're not a fan of swearing, don't read it, but it's really fun, interesting. <laughs> read. Don't read it to the kids at night. <laughs> no, no, not one for the kids, no. Okay, and what's your top tip for mental health in the world right now? It's really, really basic, but it is simply to give yourself permission to rest take time out and pause in my practice I still see so many people who yes may have patterns of anxiety and stress that can be helped therapeutically certainly but more often than not I see people who if if they just allow themselves to take a step back to today to do say two minutes of slow breathing every day to actually switch their phone off and have time and space to themselves Mm -hmm. so often when I'm particularly on the more coaching side of things when people feel overwhelmed and they don't know what direction to go go in and they feel like they're completely lost so often it's just that foundational part that's missing they're just really tired And it's that simple. They're tired, their nervous system is jangled, and their mind is racing. And when you're in that activated fight or flight state 24-7, it is very hard to connect with the higher values of what you want your life to be about, about the things that energize you, that inspire you. Instead, you can just get caught in this treadmill of action and busyness that is not particularly meaningful and meaning and purpose is so important for mental health. So simply to rest and to prioritize sleep as well. Just to start with the basics. Excellent. Right. It's competition time. So tell us a fact (laughs) that blows our mind or tell us a joke that's one of a kind to win a therapist to millions exclusive t-shirt. I actually have them here. We actually have. Wow. So there you go. (laughs) This is for anyone on the live on, on the YouTube channel. You're actually going to be winning one of those. So uh, there we go. Gorgeous. It's going to be winging its way to your <laughs> If you can tell us a fact that blows our mind or a joke that's one of a kind. So I've kind of shot myself in the foot here by picking a fact that I'm not even confident of the pronunciation, but I'm just going to risk it. So this actually came to me from a colleague because I didn't, I didn't know what fact to say. And she taught me about this concept, which is, okay, let's give it a go. Fetal microchiramism. That may not be correct, but it is this phenomena that when before a baby is born, a baby releases cells into the mother's body. And those cells stay within the mother's body for decades and keep help keep the mother well. And um, so that baby gives this gift this gift of additional cells to its mother to keep her well and some people think that that's even the reason why women live slightly longer than men is that they have the benefit of um these cells given to them by their babies which i just think is amazing that is incredible well that has definitely blown our minds so uh, uh, an exclusive t-shirt is winging its way to you (laughs) (laughs) even if i got the name wrong (laughs) That's brilliant. I never knew that. That's amazing. No, and finally, Sally, how can people contact or get hold of you? The easiest way is via my website, which is 
sallyheady.co.uk. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. If you, I think I'm the only Sally Heady. Um, it's an unusual, that's the benefit of the usual unusual name. LinkedIn, Instagram as well. I am Sally Heady Coaching. Um, and I, for one-to-one work, I offer a free 45-minute conversation, a clarity call um, for people who want to explore working together. And for anyone who is interested in the imposter syndrome course, um, it's sallyheady.co.uk forward slash imposter syndrome. So Fantastic. Yeah, we'll put all of those thing. details and links into the show notes. And uh, Sally, thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your cases and your marketing, your practice uh, experience with us. It's been really fascinating and what an amazing fact as well. I, I think that's, that's my favorite fact so far. I have to say. <laughs> so cool. And I love the book too, by the way. I love that book. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Yes, it is excellent. Yeah. Thank you so Wonderful. much. Really Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you.